2: After an oddly welcome international break, the Reds return to Premier League action this weekend, faced with the toughest test they've tended to have over the past few seasons, an away game against Manchester City. And with City in the unfamiliar position of having to hunt down league leaders Arsenal, I'm happy to welcome on Dan Burke from One Football and the Blue Moon podcast to discuss how Pep's side have fared this season, the integration of Haaland and what the future may hold as Guardiola looks to rebuild his side over the summer. Welcome back, Dan.
3: Thanks
2: for having me, Harry. As, as always. Yeah, as always. And uh, we're having like a, a, a brief chat before this, very brief around sort of when we last spoken between us both. You seem to remember that it was, it was October, uh, in the end. It's, it it a sort of when, mm-hmm. when the sides last faced each other. And I was just saying, like, before we jumped on and started recording that I think usually when we've had these chats over the past few seasons, it's been about the competitiveness of like usually two teams that were separate from the rest of the league in terms of sort of their performance levels at this stage, even at this stage of the season, uh in Liverpool and, and Manchester City. And when you look at the league table, of course, Manchester City is still right up there in contention for the league at this stage. Um I think it's uh, presuming they win. Um oh actually no, presuming they don't win the game in hand, but uh considering sort sort of <laughs> so, so, so the the points difference between uh yourselves and Arsenal at the moment, currently eight points, but obviously with a game in hand as well. Um, you do imagine City are going to make that tighter and tighter as the, as the season goes on. Liverpool have had, obviously had a different season um, given some of the struggles they've had with the the squad not being sort of refreshed where it perhaps needed to be. I just wanted to cast your mind back though uh, to the, the game uh, earlier in the season, which feels a very long time ago now um, mm. with the the 1-0 win for Liverpool over Man City at Anfield. We spoke about sort of how the size looked going into that game and I was very uncertain from a Liverpool perspective how how the Reds were going to show up. Um I think actually the way in which they showed up is a is an approach that they have not actually replicated for the remainder of the season in terms of sort of being sitting deep and looking to counter. But um what did you make of your of that match if you can sort of stretch your mind back what what are your reflections of uh, mm. of that game?
3: Yeah, it wasn't great. I mean, I remember going into that game, um like you say Liverpool were were pretty out of sorts and City were in were in good form going into it. Um I think we'd won 6-3, 5-0 and 4-0 going into that game, so it was it, it was really good form and and yeah. I've got quite a few Liverpool fans, friends who were all saying to me, <laughs> "Oh, you're going to beat us this weekend. We've got no chance. We're not we're not looking good at all. We're not feeling good about this one." And, you know, stuff like that always makes me more nervous, but mm. I do remember Going to Anfield as confident as I've probably ever felt going to Anfield for that yeah. game, thinking, Yeah, we'll we'll probably turn up and win this one finally. We'll finally get a, a win at Anfield in front of fans for the first time in twenty odd years or whatever it is. Um and then on the day the game the game started and City just looked quite nervous, um, giving the ball away, lots of sloppy passing, that kind of thing. And I remember thinking, Oh, this is not going very well at all. Um, it's another one of those days at Anfield for us. And then the second sort of half time comes and goes the second half. I think we made a good start to the second half. And then we got that goal, um, which was, which was disallowed, obviously, um, deservedly disallowed, I think, if I remember rightly. There was about four reasons that mm. that goal should have been disallowed. I think Liverpool should have had a corner at the other end, um, <laughs> just before it. There was the Haaland foul on Thiago or Fabinho, I think it might have been. I think been. was a fab, um, yeah. And there was also, yeah, it was. And there was also Haaland. I think he kicked the ball out of Alisson's hands. So, um, Yes, deservedly disallowed, in my opinion, although there was a bit of controversy, um, about it post-match, I seem to recall. That's very I fair of Liverpool you. The goal, that's, uh, that's
2: very fair of you, because I, I, I do remember Pep not agreeing.
3: No, I don't think Pep tends to agree with that with those kind of things. But yeah, for me, it was it was pretty cut and dried. And then yeah, Liverpool get the goal with Cancelo making the mistake and Salah going through and scoring. And it just it felt like a real missed opportunity for City with the form of the two teams mm. going into teams going into it. Going into it. it just felt like we, on the day it was um, it was a bit disappointing to be honest.
2: Yeah, and it was it was a strange one. I mean, like I say, from the Liverpool perspective, it was weird in terms of I think lots of people. As you said, your friends, me included as well, in terms of sort of the feeling before the game, uh, bracing for the worst really in terms of the form mm. and just the lack of, uh, cohesiveness, the lack of actual obvious patterns that were apparent about how, how the side was approaching the season, to be honest. I think, I think that's something that actually has remained consistent that they're, have been points where it seems as though the, the the club's hierarchy have landed on a formula or a setup that does work with the players that they've got and some of the compromises they have to make, and then uh quickly abandon that approach a few weeks later, uh, and mm. be surprised when they see the same sort of poor results. It's, it's been a quite a strange one. I remember that one being a mm. very sort of dogged defensive sort of approach, and then. Looking to counter, as you mentioned, at times four four two it was seemed to be sort of strange. And Salah through the middle, um, who was particularly electric that day, and we'll come on to speak about Cancelo for sure. But just and then your thoughts on 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 how the season has gone since then. I mean, it's I'd say from looking from the outside in, it's it's this is not what I would call a vintage Manchester City side. However, Mm. um, yeah, some of the performances of some of the individuals. Uh, and Haaland, despite sort of the, some of the criticism that's been levelled his way about maybe what he, maybe, maybe how simplistic he, he, he might make City at times. It's, it's all, it's all well and fair being simplistic when you're scoring as many goals as he is, uh, for you. Um, just want, just mm. wondered what your opinion is on how City have, have, have gone this season in, in all competitions. And, um, yeah, just your thoughts on like what kind of iteration this is of a, of a Guardiola side, because he, he seemed unhappy at points.
1: and a license with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, you look at the the way the season has gone on on paper and our current status you know we're we're in we're in the title race still um we're in the quarterfinals of the champions league we're in the semi-finals of the fa cup you know we could win the treble this season if if all if the stars align and i don't think we will personally because i don't think for the most part city have been very amazing at all uh this season they've had the moments for sure um but it's been very inconsistent very um up and down all the time it feels like I don't know if I would call it a transitional season necessarily, but there's certainly a bit of a bit of work in progress going on in terms of integrating Harland into the team and, and finding a way to play with him. I think in the past couple of years, when City played with that false nine uh, formation without the striker, it was very, oh, it was a lot easier for City to kind of control games and pass teams to death. And you know, we won a lot of games by kind of death by a thousand cuts, really. Whereas this season, we've we've tried to integrate this number nine into the team who is a number nine who, you know, a, an amazing player, and he scored, well, he's an amazing goal scorer. He scored 42 goals in all competitions this season. He's, he's almost certainly going to break the Premier League record. He's probably going to, you know, get a 50-goal a season, at least the way things are going. But as a footballer, I think he leaves a lot to be desired sometimes. I think his link-up play with the players around him isn't particularly brilliant. I think his technique isn't amazing. Um, you know, he, he the ball sort of bounces off him sometimes, and he'll try and play a pass to a teammate. He'll go out for a throw-in, and then he'll score four goals by half time. And you kind of think, I can't get a read on this guy. Like, what? What's? Um, what is he? Uh, you know, he's he's amazing at kind of getting into the right places at the right time. And I'm not saying I've been I've been disappointed by him. And I, I do think it is like I say, a work in progress. I think you know next season hopefully will have um, will have worked out a little bit better how to integrate him into the team, and and we'll be playing a lot better, and there'll be a lot more consistency. And I think. What Guardiola has been trying to work out this season is how to maintain control of games and how to control possession and dominate dominate the game while having this kind of wild card player up front who's a bit unpredictable. Um, I think Guardiola likes players who are very predictable and kind of do what he says, you know, almost a little bit robotic sometimes. And although Haaland seems like he's a bit of a cyborg at times as well, I don't think he... I think he's a bit more spontaneous in his play sometimes and... That's been a kind of a, a bit of a conundrum that Guardiola hasn't quite solved yet. I mean, in recent weeks, it's been looking a lot better. The the 7 0 win over RB Leipzig was, was a very good performance. The 6 0 win over Burnley um, just before the international break in the Cup was a really good performance as well. So it, it, the hope is that City have kind of found some form and really hit the stride at the right time and can put a run of results together now that we'll see them go in and win three trophies. But like I said, I don't think that's going to happen just because I, I think Arsenal are going to hold their nerve at the top of the table. And it, it's funny thinking back to the the World Cup break, you know, going into that, we lost uh, at home to Brentford just before the World Cup. And that left us five points behind Arsenal. And I've got a few mates who are Arsenal fans as well. I, I remember saying to them, five points, you know, I know it's only not even halfway through the season, but that is a, a pretty healthy um, lead to have. And, you know, I, I I don't like the fact that we're five points behind you, basically. And they were all saying, oh, you know, we've got tough games to come in the second half of the season. You know, it's going to be different when, when every point counts. We're not used to being in this title race. And, you know, the fact that Arsenal have so brilliantly hold, held the nerve so far has made things very difficult for City. Because I think we've had kind of the season um, in terms of results that I thought we might have going into the season. You know, I um, with the way that the, the season's been with the World Cup, I did think that we were probably going to drop more points than we than normally would. We wouldn't end up with that kind of 90 plus 95 point season that we've become accustomed to in recent years. And yeah, like I said, the the, the form has been a bit up and down. The results have been a little bit uh, up and down. And yet here we are still eight, uh, maybe five points behind Arsenal mm. at this point in the season. That that kind of gap hasn't hasn't really widened. Um, we've still got to play Arsenal, of course, as well, which is which is a big deal for us. But yeah, yeah it's just been. It's just been a strange season for everybody, you know, no more so than, than Liverpool's. I'm sure you would agree. Um, and I just feel like City have been um, hard to kind of get a handle on and frustratingly inconsistent at times. But with with the way that the season's been, I kind of I think it's kind of expected really as well.
2: Yeah, it's it's, it's been a discussion that's happened amongst Liverpool fans as well. I've been mean, talking about um, the the notion of transition season, but I, I, I think a lot of Liverpool fans don't think. What's going on at Liverpool? At the moment is a transition season because obviously, when you're transitioning, mm. you, you, it, sh- it should be relatively clear what you're tra- trying to transition to. And um, at the moment, yeah. I think it's really, really quite unclear what Liverpool want to be. And there's quite a few square pegs and round holes that could do a variety of things. But I think they just probably need a bit of cohesive vision. With City, I think yeah, it becomes a little bit, a little bit clearer. I suppose what they're trying to do with with, with such an obvious. Um, Focal sort of point of, of Haaland. I suppose you could say the same about, uh, Nunez and you could definitely say the same, uh, when it comes to sort of mm-hmm. not being able to predict what Darwin Nunez is going to do as each and every <laughs> game is must be quite hard to drill and training, uh, cause he does do all sorts. And it's, yeah, it's been relatively one of the fun, fun points of the season. I mean, you mentioned there, you know, Haaland and sort of the, the strengths of his game, some of the, the areas where he needs to still work as well. Um, in this season where City haven't really been what what you would have hoped they'd be, uh, and again, it's a lot, lots of Liverpool fans would have prayed for a, an inconsistent season where you're still second and you're in for the treble, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, as the final few games are coming along. But who else has really been, uh, who, who have been the big, the big figures this season in terms of the, the players that have tended to show up in games and perform and actually ensure that you're in the position that you're in? Uh, and the reason I asked this as well is because I, after this I do want to move on to talk about, uh, players who appear to be real focal figures who've, uh, um, moved on or, or are looking like they, they're going to be moving on at, at the end of the season, uh, and, and talk a little bit about, um, Yao Cancelo as well. So, um, yeah, just in terms of players that uh, for you have stood up this season and still been, you know, important, influential figures.
3: Yeah, well the first one I would I would highlight is Rodri. I think I've spoken about him on this podcast a few times before actually and just said what an influential player he is for City. Um Probably our most important player. I think if he got injured, we would have mm. serious problems. I don't know if you would, if you would say the same about anyone else in the squad to the mm. same extent, not even Haaland really. I think Rodri, you know, really holds everything together, really dominates the midfield for City, yeah. kind of does the job of two holding midfielders by himself. Sometimes it feels like it and, and has almost brought a bit of kind of Yaya Torre esque kind of bursts of <laughs> pace through the middle to his game as well. Just, you know, he's just a monster. And, you know, for me, he's the best holding midfielder in holding midfielder in the world at the moment. And, and I hadn't seen as know, well. Actually, uh,
2: sorry to interrupt, I, I hadn't seen as well I mean, I was, I was just catching up with some of the international football It looks as though Roger also tried to help you out in the title race as well with, a, with what, what <laughs> yeah. was described yeah. as a shocking challenge on, uh, on Erdogan I've seen
3: Head loss from Arsenal fans on Twitter about that. And, uh, yeah, you might say fair enough because it wasn't the nicest tackle, was it? But, uh, yeah, whether it was a premeditated assault or not, I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll leave that for the, yeah. the courts to decide. But, but yeah, he, he's been amazing. And, um, you know, we signed Calvin Phillips in the summer and the idea of bringing him in was, to, was pro- to provide Rodri with some cover to let him have a bit of a rest occasionally. And, you know, because of injuries and, you know, frankly, just not particularly good form from Phillips. It just hasn't panned out like that. And Rodri has played almost every game. I think he's started every Premier League game. And the hope is that he, uh, he can he can continue starting games because he, he's, he's really important. And um, I would also highlight a couple of defenders, uh, one of whom we know quite a lot about uh, what he's capable of, is Ruben Diaz, um, who had an amazing first season for City when he came in and won the PFA Player of the Year award. Um, and then last season, his second season at the club was kind of Uh, beset by injuries, really.
4: Hello. I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4pm, Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable, table there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter, at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye.
3: Was out for several months at a time at one stage and sort of in and out of the team, and it was the same first half of this season. He wasn't really getting a consistent run in in the team. keep pulling up with, with injuries and stuff like that. And you kinda of thought, oh, is this guy a bit a bit crocked? And then in recent weeks he seems to have fully recovered from all his injuries and has come come into the defence and really really shored up the defence. You know, he's he's a great leader, um, he's a proper defender really, you know, he, he, he a bit a bit like uh, Virgil van Dijk really, you know, he doesn't shirk a tackle, really powerful player, really like fearsome opponent for for players, you know, does a lot of clapping his hands and shouting, which I think I think you need sometimes. And I think we've got five or six consecutive clean sheets in the last few games since he's been there. And I think he's been perhaps the main reason for that. But alongside him has been um, has been Nathan Ake um in defence who has been I saw someone on Twitter today um suggest that he'd be sort of a alternative Premier League player of the year if such award uh, such an award existed. And I think that's a pretty good shout actually I think he's been so consistent for City this season. Um a bit of a kind of Unheralded player in the past. We spent 40 million on him, which is uh, which is not Trump change, but um, not a great deal was expected of him. He was sort of brought in to be a bit of a squad player and was a squad player for the first couple of couple of years he was here. He was struggling with injuries a bit as well, but also just not really getting in the team very much. And the lack of full-backs, um, especially since Cancelo was left this season, has given Ake a real chance to play a lot, and he's played mostly at left back this season and has been just really, really consistent, um, very, you know, a, a good defender as well. Rarely, if ever, gets beaten down his side, um, always in the right position, um, always winning the ball in the air and that, that kind of thing. You know, just a very reliable player. Um, you know what you're going to get from Ake every game, really. So that's been really good to see because he seems like a very sort of nice, humble guy as well. And another player who has been, you know, very divisive among um, football fans in general and especially City fans uh, over the time he's been at the club is Jack Grealish. Uh, you know, obviously that, that hundred million price tag has been a bit of an albatross around his neck at times. Um, I think he's, he's struggled with that definitely last season and the early part of this season. And people have been looking at him thinking, you know, his his return of goals and assists is pretty poor for an attacking player. Um, I think he's still only got two or three goals this season. I'm not sure how many assists he's on now, but it's not many. Um, but he has just really taken to being a Guardiola player this season and has really kind of understood his role a lot more. And his role a lot of the time is to just kind of get the ball, keep the ball, do think, do the simple things, maybe win a foul, maybe bring another player into play. He's not beating three men and putting it in the top corner, um, which is perhaps what you would expect a £100 billion player to do. But I just feel a lot more safe and assured when he's on the pitch these days. I think he is becoming a really important player for City just because he's able to keep the ball for us and do the simple things and recycle possession and just, just do the simple things really, really well. And he's popped up with the occasional goal as well. He got got a goal away at Arsenal, which was a really big one, a um, goal away at Old Trafford, which unfortunately didn't mean much in the, in the grand scheme of things. But, yeah, he's really growing as a City player, and um, it's good to see, because, I, again, I think he's quite a downsworth, uh, nice fellow, really, and it's good to see him um, kind of growing in confidence. So, yeah, they're, they're the players that I would highlight uh, most importantly. And, you know, we're also seeing Kevin De Bruyne come into a bit of form in recent weeks, and I think he... Uh, finding some form could be the difference between triumph and failure for City this season. I think he, he's he's that important and um, I think he struggled with the World Cup break this year. You know, the demands on him have been quite quite heavy. You know, he's on the wrong side of 30 now um, and every time he has a sort of dip in form for a little while, which was the case um, in, in recent months, you kind of think, is this it now? Have, have we seen the best of the Bruyne as he passed his peak? And in the past couple of games, he's looking like he's he's getting back to his best. So hoping that continues and he, he really kicks on, and really drives City forward in the, uh, the coming weeks.
2: Yeah, and in terms of players who like um, previously you would have regarded as focal figures, I mean, you mentioned Jao Cancelo there and, and, and the fact that he's moved mm. on. That, that seemed to, to shock a lot of uh, fans outside of City. I mean, I'm sure it shocked plenty of fans in City as well, sort of the nature of how it happened. Um, so much was made about his role and um, you know, how different it was. And, and the influence he was having on games was was huge as well. I think a really technically uh, adept footballer who I think had a tough start to, to life at City, but then sort of really, really grew and grew. Mm. Um, what do you make of his departure? I mean, I've seen things that seem to suggest that it's a, a real show of confidence in uh, the, um, the, the youngster whose name is completely escaping, escaping me at the moment, who's replaced him for, for Rico large, Lewis. Rico Lewis, that's it, of course. Um, who's, yeah. who's replaced him. Uh, is that, is that your view on it? Or, or, or do you think it was a case of perhaps a player not necessarily settling that well again? Or, or some sort of, um, off-pitch issue?
3: Well, the funny thing about Cancelo is when we originally signed him, mm. um, he was brought in as, as a right back uh, yeah. and is a right back for all intents and purposes. You know, he's right footed full back. So, um, you know, you think that you've got a right back right there. But he he just never really took to that position as City, he never really performed that well. Obviously, he was competing with Kyle Walker as well, which has been difficult because he, he's been so great for City in, over the years as well. And then when Cancelo kind of got moved over to the left hand side it, towards the end of his first season as kind of a necessity, I think we had some injury problems. and um, he he played there and suddenly started, you know, looking pretty good as this this inverted fullback. You know, like you said, he's technically excellent footballer, got a great cross on him, great passer of the ball, great shot and that kind of thing. Um Defensively leaves a lot to be desired. Sometimes, to be quite honest with you, I think the, the the game at Anfield this year is a good example. Not just the mistake that he made for the goal. Um, he actually started on the right that game, and I think he was almost pushed so far up that it was almost sort of a right wing position mm. that he was he was being asked to play. But it just whenever he played on that side, it just didn't really suit him to me. I didn't I didn't really understand Guardiola was thinking uh, that day. Um, and it just hadn't been a great season for him in general for Cancelo in, in terms of his form. You know, certainly. Compared to the last couple of seasons where he was excellent, where he was, you know, one of the best fullbacks in Europe for my money, and uh, this year he was just just wasn't quite there. Uh, Post World Cup, he wasn't getting in the team. Um, the kind of soft version of the story, if you like, was that he just wasn't happy with his playing time and said to Guardiola, "If you're not going to play me, let me go to someone else." Bayern Munich made an offer for him, or or he was offered to Bayern Munich by his agent, and uh, and they moved him on. Um, the the more salacious version of the story which I don't know if it's true or not is that him and Guardiola had a massive falling out in the trading ground that almost came to blows and it was kind of like well if you're going to be like that um, and and I think you know rumour has it that he was a bit of a disruptive influence in the dressing room as well kind of player that didn't take too kindly to being on the bench and, and kind of made everyone around him aware of that and you know that kind of negativity can can sort of feed into others and and make the place a bit of an uncomfortable atmosphere. So I think for that reason it was um, it was a bit of a no-brainer to let him go in the end, which was a shame because he was a very very good player. Um, I don't see him coming back uh, at the end of his loan, um, whether Bayern Munich sign him or not is a bit up in the air. Um, I don't think he was getting particularly uh, a great amount of game time under Julian Nagelsmann, but with him gone and Thomas Tuckle in now, then maybe maybe that will change, but. I think the agreement was sort of 60, 70 million euros, um, whether Bayern Munich will be willing to pay that or they'll try and negotiate it down or someone else will come in for him, I don't know. Um, the, the, the kind of big thing from, from a City perspective was like, well, are we going to sign a replacement for this guy? You know, there's still a couple of days left of the transfer window where we let him go. And the fact that they didn't bring anyone in, I think probably was a bit of a show of confidence in Rico Lewis, who has looked... Really, really good. Um, He's kind of a a right back who plays that inverted role really well, especially for a a young lad. He's only 18, 19, seems to have a a great understanding of the game, great reading of the game already. Um, And he's only going to get better with uh, with coaching, I'm sure. Um, I think it was more the case that they didn't replace Cancelo because they just kind of didn't really see a good option in the market that they could get cheaply or you know bring someone in quickly it's always a bit of a recipe for disaster really if you sort of panic into into something like that so I think they just thought let's just ride it out and for the rest of the season we've got Nathan Ake performing really well there he's pretty much held that uh, left back spot down all season really and made that his own Um, let's just keep playing him there we'll look to address it in the summer and um, that that'll be the case I think I mean it's I think the last proper left back that City signed was Benjamin Mendy which was back in the 2017 summer mm. so it's been several years where they've just not addressed that position it's be- it's had City fans sort of tearing their hair out really thinking you're spending all this money on-, on other areas of the squad yet this one one area has been has been neglected obviously we let Zinchenko go to Arsenal in the summer yeah um, which-, which feels like a huge mistake now considering I mean it felt like a pretty big mistake at the time Um, But considering the season that he's had And how influential he's been on Arsenal You kind of think, God, it might have been such a different season If we just Mm -hmm. kept that, kept hold of him Um, But, you know, I think there were reasons that he left I think he wanted more playing time And it was fair enough, really So, yeah, strange one with Cancelo Um, I think Rico Lewis is definitely uh, a good player for the future Really like what I've seen from him But um, it's all about Nathan Ake in that left-back spot at the moment, really
2: yeah, and, and just thinking about this, guy, I did want to come on to talk about one of the newest signings as well, and sort of how he's performed this season. Had an incredible time at the World Cup, Julian Alvarez, of course, and mm. um, been used in interesting ways throughout the season. I think, and like, I, I think he's a very versatile player, to be honest. But I mean, what have you made of him, and and how he's uh, he's he's taken to life in the Premier League?
0: I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout.
3: Yeah, he looks excellent. I mean, I think were it not for Haaland being there and scoring all, the, all those goals, you'd be looking at the season Alvarez has had and thinking, um, "Yeah, what a great, what a great signing he is." You know, I, I still think he's he's one for the future. Really, um, he signed a new contract recently, which was which was nice. I think the, I think the World Cup really kind of affected his status as as a player in world football. I think he came in as this kind of like development signing from River Plate, where you know he'd, he'd only played in South America beforehand. Not a great deal was known about him. He is young, and it was kind of like, let's just have him as a bit of an understudy to Harland and uh learn from the players around him learn from Guardiola and we won't expect a great deal from him in, in, in this first season then he wins the World Cup and suddenly it's like okay well this guy is now one of the leading strikers in the world then I guess um so let's give him uh some more money because uh, he deserves that and it will uh keep him out of the clutches of other clubs and you know his it, it, kind of influence on the team has been growing in recent weeks um there hasn't been many occasions when he's kind of started as the lone striker on his own. I think only one, one or two games this season. Um, I remember a game at Leicester when Haaland was injured earlier in, in the season when, when Alvarez played there, and he looked a little bit—I don't want to say out of his depth necessarily, but he didn't look like he kind of had the physicality required to lead the line uh, in a Premier League match at that time. Really, um, you know, he's very quick, very quick off the mark, and a, a good technical player. Um, but I think you need a bit more about you to kind of play consistently and score goals in the Premier League as a number nine. So often he's been sort of used as a se- kind of secondary striker to Haaland. He's played out wide at times. He's played almost a ta- kind of attacking midfield role at times. And he's done really well in, in every game, pretty much. You know, he's, he's scoring goals um, when when required as well. Um, so, yeah, it's just it's just been really impressive. Um, a really good signing, you know, he, he kind of, similarities between him and Sergio Aguero are there, you know, with him being Argentine as well. I think a lot of City fans are happy to get on board with that comparison, um, and just yeah, I still feel like it's one for the future. But um, he's he's done really well now, and and could still have a big role to play in uh, what's left of the season. I think.
2: Yeah, looks a real, real talented prospect to be honest. It's uh, mm. um, unsurprising that he's shone at the World Cup. I I, I did think there'd mm. be a role for him in that side, given sort of the the forwards Argentina had, and yeah. Another player who has been a real focal figure for City, and like annoyingly so time after time, uh, and uh, I really love him as a player, so I can't even dislike him at all, is uh, is, is Gundogan. And mm. it, it looks like he might be one that does move on at the, um, at the end of the season. And that brings me on to sort of a discussion about if City are in transition and they're moving towards uh, the next next iteration of City. Um, what are the areas where you think there probably need to be signings? Um,
3: and what kind of profiles of players do you think you need to be bringing in? Yeah. Well, Gundawan, um, I think it's, it's looking pretty nailed on that he's going to leave mm. in the summer. as his, his contracts up. Um, is it Barcelona? Is it? I don't know. If, rumors. I'm not sure. Yeah. It's, it, it seems likely that Barcelona will be, will be interested That's in an him. An um, economically. He recently got can, married. They can pull or something. Yeah. Yeah he recently got married uh and recently became a, a father and his oh. wife is italian and uh, has has sort of slagged off manchester quite a bit and said like oh the is <laughs> crap and the restaurants are crap and stuff like that so that's always a bad sign isn't it yeah. when a player's wife starts getting in their ear i think um so, yeah, I think they're going to be off to sunny, sunnier climbs in the summer, which will be, um, you know, it'll be sad to see him go because he's been a fantastic player for us over the years, um, not least his uh, his two goals on the, the last game of last season to win us the title. You know, he kind of cemented his legendary status um, in the club forever and he, mm. he was given the captain's armband uh, at the start of the season as well. I think he's a good influence in the dressing room and a, you know, model professional and a really good leader. So we'll we'll lose uh, a lot and a very good player when he when he leaves, of course. And I think it's looking... Possible that Bernardo Silva might be on the move uh, again uh, this summer um, to sunnier climbs as well. You know that's been floated for the past couple of summers now. Where um, he, I think he's been very upfront with the club and said, "Look, I, I like it here. I love the club. I, I like playing in the Premier League, but uh, this this climate is not for me. Um, the restaurants here probably aren't aren't for him and his uh, his partner either." So. I think they would probably like a a move to Barcelona or somewhere like that. If if the opportunity presents itself, it's just with him, I think it's whether someone is going to pay what City value him him at. And I think City have been quite fair in that regard. I think they've said like, look, if you can bring us an offer of sort of 70, 80 million, we'll let you go happily. Um, But that just hasn't materialised for whatever reason, which I think is, you know, utterly baffling, because I think he's an amazing player, Bernardo Silva, um, who, you know, can play a number of different roles brilliantly. Um it's just a I know a great professional, such a hard working player, um, runs his bollocks off every game and, you know, has su- got such great technical quality that we've been very, very lucky to have him. Um and I kind of I almost feel a bit sorry for him that he's still at the club now knowing that he kind of wants to leave. But um his his loss is our game in that re- God, but but I do think that uh, yeah he'll probably be on the move this summer. So it's looking like a, a, a kind of midfield overhaul is is required. Um, they have already brought one player in in January who's uh, made a couple of appearances off the bench. A guy called Maximo Perone who came in from um, Velez Sarsfield in Argentina. Um, he looks quite talented. Um, apparently the coaching staff have been really impressed with him. Um, whether he will be kind of ready to become a regular first teamer next season I don't know because he's he's still in his early twenties. Um, obviously the, the Jude Bellingham. Uh, transfer is one that Liverpool fans will be very interested as, in as well of course and uh you know I think City have a um a pretty good chance of getting him if uh if maybe they can keep him out of Real Madrid's clutches I mean the the story lately is that Liverpool don't feel that they can kind of compete financially with City and Real Madrid for him so it seems mm. likely that it might be a um a bit of a tug of war between City and Real Madrid who can who can stump up the cash for him um you know, I think if we if we can get him, he would be even an incredible signing for us for many years to come. Um, but it's going to be difficult to get that one over the line, I think. So, yeah, they're just looking at other options in midfield. I guess I don't know exactly who they're looking at, um, but I think we're going to have to bring in at least two players in that position. And then, yeah, finally, we're going to have to bring in the left back. Surely, uh, I don't know if they can <laughs> yeah. go another summer without a left back. I think they've they've let that uh, run its course as much as much as possible now. Um. Who knows whether they will uh, actually get that done either? But yeah, it 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 was kind of a um a strange summer last year in that they brought in Manuel Akanji um uh, to play as uh you know centre back um and he he's been pretty consistent, pretty good signing actually for for the money that we paid for him mm. um. And I think Laporte, I'm Eric Laporte, is probably going to be on the move in the summer as well. Um, he's kind of fallen out of favour a bit this this season. A bit unfairly because I think he's a good player and he's very consistent um, when he plays for City. He just has found himself behind Akanji and Stones in the pecking order somehow and just can't seem to get back in. And I think, uh, you know, Barcelona there, another one that, uh, I don't know where they're going to get the money from for all these players, but, uh, you know, they've got some very uh, real issues behind the scenes to work out as well. But, somehow all of our players keep being linked with Barcelona. So, yeah, if, if those three leave, I, I would imagine sort of two midfielders are left back uh, and maybe another centre-back would, would have to come in. They've been linked with that Josco Gvardiol from uh, mm. RB Leipzig as well. Um, but, you know, you'd probably look at 100 million plus yeah. for him, which uh, is a lot of money for a centre-back. And even even with City's switches I think that would be a, a, big, a big transfer outlay in the summer. So, I don't know, it feels like, like I say, if it's a transitional season, then you think, well, you're going to have to kind of um, quicken up that trans- transition a little bit in the summer and bring in some players um, I guess the money's there so yeah, I, I would imagine that City are going to have a pretty pretty big summer ahead
2: Yeah, it's interesting, I think second you sort of mentioned midfield, uh, overhaul I was, I was think- thinking about sort of the like, h- however many conversations I've had so far about Liverpool's priorities this summer and just, just, <laughs> um, yeah. me, like many Liverpool fans, just absolutely staggered that the club, um, do, has, has done nothing in in, in midfield for mm-hmm. so long. Um, I think so much so actually that, uh, this, this whole Bellingham thing has been going on for, for so long now that it's actually quite interesting that, um, I've probably, just zoned out a little bit from it because it's, it's going to go on for even more, uh, months yeah. in terms of the speculation of will he won't he all these interviews that he gives and, uh, different suggestions mm-hmm. of where, he, where his head's at and things like that. I, I, I think I would say the, the one thing from a Liverpool perspective on trying to compete for his signature, uh, considering the club has more or less told, uh, the fan base for the better part of two years that they're looking for the right midfielder and flirting with this guy. I think it would be yeah. <laughs> hilariously humiliating. Um, if they if they didn't make a good stab at it, so I mean I, I'm seeing all these Gerard uh, winks and in interviews and stuff like that, so I'm I have no idea if we're offering him some sort of <laughs> like club membership. I don't, I don't know what we're doing to in order to to try and compete. But as you say, financially, you would imagine City. Jed, do,
3: yeah, do you think Liverpool could have could afford 150 million? I don't think play? he's going to
2: cost 150 million. Personally, I, I think right. that's I, I don't really believe that. Uh, maybe I'll be proven completely wrong, but. Uh, I, I, I don't, I don't really see it going that high. Uh, and and yeah, I just, I, I, su- I, I suppose you, I, I wonder just how much influence the, the the players' individual camp has on it. But, um, the cold hard reality of football these days is is obviously money and wages and and agent fees and what get what gets offered in terms of the total package. Yeah. So it does feel crazy to be no, saying. So like I, a I feel like if
3: if Bellingham had a choice he would go to Liverpool that's how i feel probably but, but yeah the new think, might be out of his hands unfortunately yeah, for him yeah, yeah. Oh, no, exactly yeah. as as as
2: dortmund i think that i think they have every right to demand whatever they want and i i, I think that's just from the liverpool perspective it, if that's been as clear as day to me i'm pretty sure it's probably been clear as day to the liverpool hierarchy yeah. for a long time oh they're probably going to ask us for quite a lot of money uh, so <laughs> um, e- either get that money ready or because uh, it's not been spent for the better part of two years. So it, it, I think it'll be yeah. interesting to see what Liverpool do because their recruitment has generally been pretty strong to be honest over the past few windows. There's been a bit uh, some recent questions about how involved the scouting team are as opposed to how much influence Klopp and Linders are now having and whether that's you know, moving away from the uh, real sort of stats-based approach of finding the right player, the right fit for the system or... It's just, yeah, yeah. It's becoming more of an eye test, but we'll see. We'll see. I suppose I think this, this mm. summer is, uh, same, with, same with City for Liverpool. There's, there's, there's no way they're going through this summer without signing. I think in my opinion, it has to be at least three midfielders, to be honest, um, based on who's mm. going to be, going to be leaving. So the profile of those guys are going to be, going to be interesting. I wouldn't be surprised to see them go back in or, or, or try and, try and, uh, Tease Moyes Caicedo out, but he has, he's just signed a new deal as well. So he's going to cost huge amounts of, of money yeah. as well. So, and also on, on the left back front, I think, yeah, Liverpool fans know that all too well prior to, to, to Robertson signing years and years and years of just not addressing the left back mm. position, really, like signing left backs, but ones that clearly weren't good enough. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's been odd to be so settled in those positions for, yeah. for so long now, but, I was just looking at Liverpool's fixtures list, uh, a fixture list for the next few games. It's quite fun, actually. City, uh, on the first, uh, Chelsea on the fourth, and then Arsenal, uh, on the ninth. Um, so it's quite a nice little <laughs> run there for, for, yeah. for, for, Liverpool. Uh, and it's probably going to be quite a defining period considering where they are. And the, the only real thing that their side's fighting for at the moment is, is Champions League qualification. In, in terms of how you think City are going to approach this game, I mean, you mentioned the the goals they've scored uh prior to the international break, a Seven nil win and a six nil win, always very nice. There is a seven nil win in there for Liverpool, uh not not too long ago, but obviously you followed it up. I with,
3: remember that one, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. it, it, I it is that one. It, it, yeah, exactly. I'm glad we can agree <laughs> on that. And despite whatever happens this season, uh yeah, they'll always have to live with that, which is fantastic considering they arrived thinking they were going yeah. to uh yeah. Uh, so <laughs> but uh, in terms of how you think Guardiola is going to approach this game. I mean, it sounds like a similar question that I asked you before the Anfield game, really, in that, it? uh, it's not an Anfield, so there's not that hoodoo, but in terms of where Liverpool are at, really inconsistent. I feel like quite fragile at this point as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, can always counter on you, but doesn't, don't look like we can really control a game on the ball. Midfield is, um, struggling unless, uh, unless Thiago has miraculously returned and I'm not seen. Uh, yeah, how do you think he's going to approach this? Because you, as you mentioned earlier on, you were surprised by some of the decisions he made in that in that game earlier this season.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think you know Guardiola has been accused of uh, of overthinking it at times. Uh, in in many times in recent years, you know he's he's perhaps the only manager out there who, when something goes wrong, people blame it on him being too clever, really. But but I think while in some cases that's been a bit of a fallacy, um, in some cases it has been correct, and I think. With the Liverpool away game this season, it was correct with him, you know, playing Cancelo in that weird position, like I said earlier. Um, so I think um, we kind of know how City are going to line up um, going into this game. In recent weeks, you know, the, the, the form they've been in, they've kind of got a bit of a settled team um, going now. Um, it's probably going to be pretty similar to the team that we we saw against uh, against Leipzig a few weeks ago. So they sort of have a, they play almost with like a back three. Um, of three centre backs, and then John Stones will pop into midfield alongside Rodri, where he's sort of playing as a right back on the team sheet, but more of a court, sort of central midfielder. Then you've got a kind of la- a line of four midfielders, and then then the uh, the striker up top. Um, now, who the striker up top is going to be is an interesting question because Haaland had to withdraw from uh, Norway duty with a, a groin injury this week. Um, I think some people have been a bit sceptical about the legitimacy of that injury. Um, I personally think it's A real injury because I don't think he's the type of player to fake an injury and not play for his country if if given the opportunity I think he just loves playing football and would play you know five games a week if he could so I think uh, that is a bit of a worry from City's point of view Um, like I said earlier about Alvarez I don't know if he's quite ready to kind of lead the line just yet on his own Um, so if Haaland's out and Alvarez plays I think that's um, that's that's got to be considered a good sign for Liverpool not necessarily a uh, a huge problem for City, though. I still think we've got a good chance of winning the game if if Ireland doesn't play. You know, we've got quality players all over the pitch who are, who are in good form at the right time. I think with City, you know, we're just looking at these games now as you know we're, we're kind of used to being in this in, in a similar position to this before. The, the difference being going into these uh, this final stretch of the season is that in in the past couple of times, the when we've had Liverpool breathing down our necks, and we've just about had our noses in front and just about been able to get the results needed to, to keep our noses in front. It's kind of a similar situation now, whereby I think we've probably got to win every Premier League game that we've got left if we're going to win the title. But then even that wouldn't guarantee us the title, which is um, a bit of a strange feeling. Um, it's just about getting results on the board now. The performances almost don't matter a great deal to City. We've just got to just got to win these games. I think this is a, a must-win uh, for City against Liverpool the week the weekend. Um, I mean, we did play each other at the Etihad this state uh, this this season yeah, as well, didn't yeah. we? That's in a fun uh, one. In yeah. The Carabao Cup, which was. Uh, a very weird game. Everyone was kind of, uh, a bit all over the place that <laughs> night, weren't they? Just coming back off the World Cup. It was yeah. just a very, very strange game, I thought, but it was kind of instructive of, of how I, um, see Liverpool really, whereby I do feel pretty confident going into this weekend's game, but, and, you know, you look at Liverpool's form recently, you know, you, you beat United 7-0 mm-hmm. and then, Almost typically in Liverpool at the moment, lose to Bournemouth in the very next game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were struggling Bournemouth, who I thought, well, we played them a couple of weeks earlier and, and battered them. I thought, these are terrible. These are not, you know, not yeah. Premier I mean, side. We, we beat and them 9-0 couple, couple, so. earlier in the season. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so. So, you. you... Just don't you just don't really know what you're going to get from Liverpool, um, this season, which is which is weird, but that that does concern me somewhat. You know, I think your front three are very dangerous. I think midfield, you know, we, we could dominate you there, and you know, mm-hmm. defensively, I don't think you've been brilliant this season either. Um, Alisson, uh, probably the exception yeah. to that, he's been out, has been out- outrageously good again, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I'm feeling pretty confident, but like, you know, going into that game, um, in the Carabao Cup that I touched on a moment ago, I, I felt like that night we were we were the better side, but yet Liverpool just kept coming back and kept, you know, just making it difficult for us. And that's what Liverpool will do, I think, in this this weekend. You know, I could see it being a, a, a bit of a free-scoring game again like that. You know, kind of similar to what is it? It's just just shy of a year ago that we played each other in the league when we had that two-two uh, that the Etihad as well. Yeah. Um. You know, I think. Liverpool were better that that season, undoubtedly, and I think we were probably a bit better uh, this time last season as well. But I could see it being kind of a similar game where maybe we get our nose in front earlier, then Liverpool come back, and then it's a bit of a you know to-and-fro kind of game like that. Um, We'll see. Yeah, I I hope it's uh, you know a straightforward win for City, but I'm I'm not (laughs) expecting that. I never would expect that against Liverpool.
2: Yeah, and I remember that game last season. I I, I remember getting to half-time and being absolutely delighted. The, uh, that it wasn't yeah. a, a worse scoreline because I thought I felt Liverpool really yeah. got um, dominated in that first half and then, yeah, like punched back a little bit in the second half and then it seemed to be like that situation where at, at one stage both sides just settled. It was weird settling for it because yeah. Liverpool need, needed to to win, but it was a, a strange one. Uh, it, in terms of the difference there, I mean, we, we've spoken a little bit about Arsenal and it's not Liverpool breathing down City's neck um at this stage of the season, it's City looking to put pressure on, uh, an Arsenal side that it's, it, it's been weird for me. I really like the collection of players. I sort of like the manager. Uh, uh, and, uh, I've got a lot of family members in North London who, who have made it very difficult for me this season, to be honest. I, I want to, I want to wish them well, but they, the, the, the lack of grace has been, it's been, it's been, it's, it's been impressive. Uh, But it's, in terms of looking at them as a side, it's interesting that you mentioned that you think that they will hold their nerve. They haven't been in this position for a very long time. I'm just thinking about, in terms of them being the opposition, uh, the the main competitors for the title, what do you make of that competition? Is, is the hope that, 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 that lack of familiarity with these circumstances and and the real pressure when it really starts to come on, which is now, um, like, that they'll, they'll slip? Uh, at this, at this point into the sort of like, like, you know, draw here, loss there, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, cause like, city are a side that we know maybe, again, not, not this iteration night like, perhaps, but can go on a run like you were describing there that puts huge, huge pressure on, you know, an opponent.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's the hope that they do, they do crumble under the pressure. But I kind of think if that was going to happen, it would have happened by now. Um, I've been sort of waiting for them to, to fall apart mm. all season, really. And it just, it just still hasn't happened. And it, and it looked like maybe it was going to happen when they had that run of games in February, when they, they lost to Everton, they drew with Brentford, they lost to City and then they went behind twice away at Aston Villa. Yeah. yeah I remember thinking like, oh, this is it. They've, they've, they've lost it. They've lost their minds. And then they come back to win that game in those circumstances. And it was like, I think that gave them a massive boost and they've they've won every game since then i think um so yeah they do have some hard games coming up they've got they've got you guys away um i think they've got chelsea to play as well and i, I work with a few arsenal fans and they're definitely sort of not counting the chickens yet <laughs> and they're almost wait waiting for their team to fall apart as well but yeah. i think when it's your team you, you're you naturally a bit more pessimistic about things aren't you of course and um perhaps i'm A bit more pessimistic about Arsenal's potential downfall than I should be as well. Perhaps it will happen. Um, you know, we've still got to play each other. Like I mentioned earlier this season, we've beaten them twice already this season. Mm. You know, that, that win away at the Emirates was a huge win for us because I just did not see that coming at the time. You know, the, the kind of way we've been playing this season, that seemed like the sort of game that we would. We would uh, we would lose, and I think if we if we'd gone to Anfield, you know, in that in that scenario, we probably would have lost that game. Whereas, you know, perhaps going to the Emirates, it's quite not quite the, the same kind of atmosphere, not not quite as intimidating. Um, and Arsenal's a team, I don't think are quite as intimidating as Liverpool have been in recent years. You know, mentally strong. You know, perhaps they're not quite there. Hmm. But what I do see in this Arsenal team is a young team, a hungry team who've who've not won the title before. Yeah, um, who can they just seem to be powered by? sheer enthusiasm and hunger and sort of joy at, at the moment really and um, I could I could see that just carrying them through to the end of the season and like I said I think we need to win every game between now and the end of the season if we're going to have a chance to win the league and I just don't know if we're going to do that I think we're not the same team that we were last season we're not the same team that we were in, in the 2018-19 season when we had that long winning run at the end and just got over the line like we are, there are we are a more fallible team there's, there's certainly opportunities that we could slip up you know I'm looking at games like uh, Brighton away uh, we got Brentford away last game of the season which is an absolutely horrible game I think to have if you need to get a result to win the title like I would be extremely nervous if it goes down to the the final day of the season so it's just uh, I think City's um in a way it's kind of a good position to be in because our task is cut and dried it's just try and win as much as many games as possible and see where you end up at this moment in time we're not considered the favorites for the title Let's just see what we can do, really. Um, and we've got you know, other, other trophies to play for as well, which mm. is a, a nice position to be in. So if we win the league, brilliant. If we don't, I won't be devastated, really. You know, We've won it two years in a row. You, you can't win them all. And um, I think I could understand why the world of football would want Arsenal to win this title as well, because you do want to see City's stranglehold broken a little bit. You do want to see this kind of um inspiring story of of a young, unfancy team who no one tipped for to do anything at the start of the season really. I think most people didn't even expect Arsenal to finish top four at the start of the season. Um it's not quite a kind of fairy tale on on the level of Leicester within the league, but it's not a million miles away from that really. So yeah, good luck to Arsenal, I guess. Mm. Um, I hope they, uh, they get beat at Anfield in a couple of weeks and that blows the title <laughs> race wide open. But, um, yeah. you know, they've got probably got an even worse record at Anfield than City have in recent years. True. And yeah, I, just, I kind of think if they win that game, they will win the league almost. It could, it could be that kind of um, turning point for them.
2: could well be. And you mentioned other trophies there just before we do wrap up. I mean, you know, can't be a City pod without me uh, asking somebody <laughs> if Guardiel is going to be uh, a fraud if he doesn't win the Champions League this season, yeah. uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Bayern Munich, that's a hard draw. Yes, not been the team that they they have been at times this season, despite most likely going to go on to win the, the things they usually win. Um, new manager, Thomas Tuchel, at the helm as well. Uh, how are City fans feeling around sort of the European run this season? It, it's felt from the outside in that there is... A bit more of a renewed confidence about sort of how they're performing in Europe this season, or again, I'm, I'm waiting for you to be pessimistic because uh, everyone always is about <laughs> their own side, right? But um, yeah, what's uh, what's your feeling about the, the the chances in Europe?
3: Well, I was very optimistic when the draw was made, actually, because I, uh, you know, Bayern Munich are a, a good side. Uh, definitely, you know, they've got European pedigree. They've got some experienced players in that team. Um, they've got some good young players. Um, and they had a good young coach as well, but I just thought that you know over two legs I, I would fancy us to beat them um, until they hired uh, Guardiola's kryptonite in Thomas Tuckle, who you know has had his number on a couple of occasions in recent years, most notably the uh, 2021 Champions League final when when Chelsea beat us, of course. Um, so that is a bit of a worry that they've made this appointment almost. Um, I don't know necessarily in fear of City, but with one eye on that that tie, thinking like could Tuckle have a better chance of, of beating Guardiola over two legs than the Maybe um, let's see how that one goes. I think it's quite difficult to predict, really. But I would, I would say that I'm still reasonably confident about our chances of, of getting through that one, and I'm, I'm reasonably confident about our chances of going on to win the competition this season. I mean, it's in all likelihood if we get past Bayern, we will play Real Madrid in the semi-final again. You know, that is still very much a fresh wound. What happened to was at the Bernabeu last season. Um, you know, it's going to take a, 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 a win over them really to, 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 to finally sort of exercise that team can put it to bed um, but I don't see the same Real Madrid this season um, that I saw last season, I don't think they've been um, as good domestically, um, alright they beat Liverpool but you know, as we know it's, it's mm. not quite the same Liverpool as, as last season either, um, so I feel like if it came down to it, if we had to play them over two legs, I feel like we, we could beat them as well and then maybe we, we would play Napoli in the final if that was the case um, who have been doing brilliantly well under and um, Spalletti in Serie A this season look like uh, almost certainly going to win the win the title for the first time in thirty odd years, um, and they've got a great young team. You know, um, Kvaratskhelia, Sh- um, uh, Osimhen, uh, you know, a couple of brilliant players there for them. So I'd be worried about the potential of, of playing them in the final as well. But it ju- it does kind of feel to me, and these are kind of the famous last words they really, Tempting Fate that the draw has kind of opened up a little bit with City. You know, Liverpool being out of the out of the out of Europe like that gives me a lot of encouragement because I, I'd i be living in constant fear of having to play Liverpool and you know having to play to Anfield on a European <laughs> yeah. night and that kind of thing even though you know everything we've said about Liverpool, Liverpool's problems this season if we had to play you in Europe I would be terrified of that prospect so the fact that you're out of it gives me mm-hmm. a bit of encouragement really um, but you know we'll see what happens. I, I've thought on a couple of occasions in, in recent years that we've been the best team in Europe and we've not gone on to win the Champions League. I don't think we're the best team in Europe this season but that maybe this will
2: be the year that we do go on to win it. Who knows? Yeah, no, does does sometimes work out that way. And yeah, Uh don't know about you, but I, I I'm I'm done with uh, with 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 Real Madrid for a while. I don't I don't really want to face <laughs> them. I, I I know I know that the you're you're correct that 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 this this um, this generation of of Real Madrid um, players will, is is finally finally moving on. But I've I've never seen a more zombie. Mm-hmm zombie-like side uh, in my life and yeah. s- certainly the run last year as you mentioned where I think you should have very much been five goals up uh, and uh, and weren't and then they, they came back and won and, and battering them in the finals as, as much as we could and then losing the way in which we did and then yeah. this season as well going to <laughs> I need to concede five consecutive goals which is which is not uh, not great but I do feel like we should should remind Liverpool fans because that's just not it's just not acceptable, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I'd <laughs> yeah. quite like not to face them again for, for a while. Yeah. So, um, yeah, um, be our guest. Honestly, if you, if you, if you feel over, <laughs> over two legs, you can vanquish this side finally that, you know, I wouldn't be too, <laughs> wouldn't be too sad to see that, but thanks, thanks as always, Dan, for coming on and like giving us your, your, your perspective on where City are at. It's like continued evolution of the side and, uh, perhaps not not fully realized so far this season but i think you can see where where city are heading but as as we've already talked about a number of really influential figures set to set to leave and the who their replacements are is probably going to dictate so what what, what kind of side city become um next season as well so thanks as always for for all your insight
3: my pleasure as always. I would uh I would wish you luck for the weekend, but I wouldn't really mean it, so I won't do that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's probably
2: the same as well. And uh to all those uh, who've um, been waiting uh patiently during the international break for this uh this rival rival recon episode, there will be another one, as you may have heard earlier on. Quite a nice, uh tasty fixture list uh coming up. So after the city game, the next uh episode of Rival Recon will be will be back ahead of the game away to Chelsea, that rescheduled game away away to Chelsea. So Hopefully, uh, Liverpool can capitalise on what has been an uh, even more lacklustre season for for Chelsea this season. So, Dujon is um, ahead of that game uh, at Stamford Bridge.
1: We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show.